Welcome to Book Club, presented by Thunder Thighs and Lightning. Join us for our foray into podcast meets audiobook meets story time at the library meets my lifelong dream of reading out loud to people. For our first book club selection, we will be sharing the Harlequin romance novel, Country Proud, written by number one New York Times bestselling author, Linda Lale Miller. The TTL book club is a passion project of our podcast that we are doing simply for our love of pocket novels, and our opinions in no way represent the author, publisher, or the copywriter. Lucky you, for this book club, pants are not required. Chapter 5 For Bryn, the next two days raced by. She was so busy preparing for the New Year's Eve party, a tradition in Painted Pony Creek for over a quarter of a century. The decorations, strings of small twinkly lights, a mirrored disco ball, and large tinsel banner hung with the numerals of the coming year were easy enough to put up. What? That sentence sucks. Bryn and Miranda took care of the job, taking turns on the high stepladder while the other directed placement. Planning the menu, ordering cases of champagne, and coordinating a team of volunteer designated drivers to ferry home those who'd had too much to drink took more doing. Carly and several of her friends, including Eric Worth, decorated the stage and set up the equipment for the Gate Crashers performance. Do you remember who the Gate Crashers are? It's like the high school band. Oh. And <laughs> they're playing the party. Um, after this, I'm going to be making some merch that's just going to be the Gate Crashers. Oh. Do trademark trademark. Bryn liked Carly Hollister very much, and she was close friends with Shally, Cord's wife, and Carly's stepmom. Damn Charlie. And she couldn't help noticing Eric's strong resemblance to his uncle, Eli Garrett. Ew, she was looking at that high schooler. Yuck, Bryn. Oh, this is making a turn. (laughs) She hadn't heard from Eli since their magical snowmobile ride and their talk inside his sparsely furnished log house, though he'd been in her thoughts almost constantly ever since. I thought you were going to say in between her thighs. (laughs) (laughs) He's been in her thighs. That big dick energy. Big dick energy. Her mind said, proceed with caution. Her body had a whole different thing in mind, and caution wasn't part of it. Oh shit! Yeah, this is where everything <laughs> She's gets being a about. real this Reba. Is exciting! Yay! She blushed, standing there in the middle of her very popular restaurant, supervising the setup of three long buffet tables. The bell over the front door jingled just then, and everything quickened in Bryn. She even caught her breath, hoping Eli would appear. Snowflakes dusting his hair and resting on the shoulders of his uniform jacket. Instead, his sister Sarah, Eric's mom, bustled in, shivering with the cold. Sarah was lovely with her long, dark hair woven into a single plait, her deep green eyes, sorry, her deep gray eyes, her enviable bone structure. She and Bryn had become friends after Bryn's return to Painted Pony Creek. Today, Sarah wore trim jeans, a red turtleneck sweater, boots, and a beautifully tailored leather jacket with fringe. Stylish. Where are we at, Montana? Wyoming. Doesn't matter. I just picture this magical space in my head. The leather jacket with fringe. <laughs> the leather jacket with fringe. I do love fringe though. <laughs> I like to like nervously braid it when I'm I wearing it. I think this is like a current novel because they alluded to COVID. Yeah. That's a very 80s. Like she came in and No, her... fringe is back in the is in it? the ding dings. Oh, uh, all right. Did it ever go out? I mean, I don't think so. She probably drove know. up in the Camaro. There are a couple of I have a some friends that I won't say out loud on the, the podcast, but they're very fringe worthy. Okay. Very cute and bouncy and can wear fringe and like De- that make decent sense? bods. Decent bods. Enviable bone structure. 
<laughs> Smiling, Sorry. she took off the jacket <laughs> and hung it from one of the pegs near the door. Then she dusted her ungloved hands together and said, Sorry, I was late. Haley's going to sleep over tonight and she couldn't find the pajamas she wants to wear. Major crisis, loads of drama. Bryn laughed and the two women embraced briefly the way old friends do. Still stuck on chapter 23, she whispered, since Sarah's alter ego, Luke Cantrell, was a closely guarded secret. Nope, Sarah answered with a grin. I figured it out. Had to throw in another body, though. Again, Bryn laughed, shook her head. She'd loved Sarah's debut novel and looked forward to the sequel with genuine excitement. She wanted to ask about Eli. He and Sarah were fairly close, after all, but she didn't want to seem too interested. Which was silly, of course, because she was interested. Very interested. But very scared, too, because she'd made a major mistake before, falling for a man too quickly, and she'd been shattered by that man's betrayal. She reminded herself that she needed to proceed with caution, maybe date a few other men, older ones, for instance, in their 80s, perhaps. What? I don't remember reading that the first time. <laughs> this is brand new to me. Or she could just resign herself to being single and adopting more cats. Heaven knew that would be safer. She pushed these thoughts aside, though she knew they would be back, probably when she least expected or wanted them. For now, for this one magical night, she would pretend she wasn't afraid to love, really love, a man who wore a badge. Had Eli told his sister about the hours he and Bryn had spent together, zooming over drifts of his snow on his snowmobile, talking quietly at his kitchen table? Probably not. It probably wasn't a big deal to him. Just time he'd spent with a friend. Bryn wanted to be more than a friend to Eli. Much more, and that terrified her. The last time she'd loved a man, she'd gotten her heart broken, and the recovery, not over even now, she suspected, had been long and difficult. She was too old-fashioned. That was her main problem. She was sexually attracted to Eli, no doubt about it, but she wasn't the type to surrender her body and withhold her heart. <laughs> so I want her to surrender her body. I mean... It's we're on page 80, so it's probably going to happen. There's like 300 pages. We'll have this more than once in these 300 pages. <laughs> God, I don't want to read sex out loud to you more than once. <laughs> I think it's so great because the best part about it for everybody listening, she doesn't just have to listen to it or read it out loud the one time. She has to read it silently <laughs> one time, read it out loud the second time, and then re listen to it the third time. Mm -hmm. So yep, it's like, I'm going to read this book three times. There's a lot of sexuals happening for her. <laughs> so, much, so many sexuals are going to be read aloud. So every time that she grinds on Eli's boner, it's times three for Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do boner math at the end of this book. Oh, my God. On uh, a chalkboard. Chalkboard. She'd given Clay everything, fallen for him heart and soul. No, she definitely couldn't risk loving again. Not now. But if she saw Eli again, spent time alone with him, and he decided to seduce her... Well, she might not be able to resist him. Was that so terrible? She wasn't a nun after all. She was older now, she reminded herself silently and hopefully a little wiser. Dude, do you think his sister just sitting there staring at her the whole time? Like, hello? I'd be just staring at her hello. decent bod. Hello? No, I'm just kidding. You, what are you thinking about? Oh, God, that's <laughs> hilarious. Um, anyway, Eli hadn't called, stopped by, or even texted, so maybe she'd misread the signals. Maybe he'd decided they were better off as friends. If so, he was probably right. Bryn resigned herself to her life as it was, blessed but lonely. By 2.45 that afternoon, the setup was finished, though the cooks were still busy in the kitchen with Sarah helping, preparing the food that would fill the buffet tables when the restaurant closed for the day would reopen. Bryn excused herself and went upstairs to the privacy of her apartment. She had a video call scheduled for 3 o'clock straight up. Davy and Maddie Nichols would be calling. After giving her cat some treats, primarily to keep him quiet, 
Bryn brewed a cup of tea, set it on her kitchen table beside her laptop and began to pace, stopping every few moments to consult her watch. Finally, she plunked down in her chair and booted up her computer. The screensaver was a dramatic panorama of the Boston skyline at night, very similar to the view from her old apartment, the one she'd shared with Clay. She considered changing it. There were millions of images to choose from, of course, but then the call came through. Davy's youthful, handsome face appeared on screen, grinning broadly. Maddie, a little younger and bearing a close resemblance to her mother, leaned in beside him, beaming into the camera. You're early, Bryn said, delighted. Okay, pause. Do you still think this is a strange situation? Mm-hmm. They were together for like a year or something? Two years? Not that long. Okay. Davy looked briefly uncertain. Is that okay? Were you busy? I'm never too busy to talk to you two, Bryn replied sincerely. Both kids looked pleased and more than a little relieved. We get to stay up until midnight, Maddie announced. Dad said we could see the new year in, just like the grown-ups. Not like grown-ups, Davy corrected with mild disdain. They drink booze and stuff, he made a face, and they kiss. Bryn chuckled. Someday soon, Davy Nichols, you'll like kissing. Yeah, Maddie said, elbowing her brother. You'll start kissing girls all the time. Yuck, Davy said and shuddered for effect. He's kissing boys. Duh. <laughs> this is clearly what's happening. <laughs> Maddie picked up the conversational ball and ran with it. We get pizza. Davy and me and the babysitter, I mean. That's good, Bryn said, dealing with a pang of loneliness or regret. Dad wants to say hi, Davy said. Bryn didn't get the chance to prepare herself. Suddenly, Clay was standing behind his children, leaning down to look into the camera. He was still devastatingly handsome, with his sandy-colored hair and irresistible eyes. Hey, Bryn, Clay greeted her, his voice husky. He was wearing a white cable-knit sweater and jeans, and his hair was still damp from the shower. She could see the little ridges left behind by his comb. What, okay. if, what if he was just in a towel? Oh, hey. <laughs> okay. Hey there, Bryn. A gray towel. Big shadow. <laughs> um, I do have to say, though, to interject a little bit, I do think that because their relationship was short-lived, and then she feels this need to, like, a parental role of these children and whatnot... I think that she is in love with the idea of Clay, not actually Clay himself, because he obviously, it's kind of like you want what you can't get, because then he's like boning down on the old exy, you know? Right. It's just like the dude in, on paper and in this vision of hers is like, oh, it's fucking, he's perfect and amazing. And then, but in real life, you're like, really? <laughs> His name's Clay. And so she should steal the kids and marry Eli. Yeah, definitely. I hope that's where this goes. I hope so too. Hey, Bryn said automatically. She waited to feel something, but all that came was a sense of being mildly startled as though someone had hidden around a corner and then jumped out at her. How's Montana treating you? Clay asked. Bryn thought of Eli and their snowmobile ride. She would never forget the sensation of wild freedom. She smiled. Just fine, she replied. Ask her, Maddie put in, tilting her head back to look up at her father. Yeah, Davy agreed. Ask her, Dad. Clay sighed heavily. The kids have spring break in a couple of months. I told them you're probably really busy, but... Bryn's heart began to pound. She waited, holding her breath. Davy rolled his eyes in exaggerated frustration. We want to come out there and visit you, Bryn, Maddie, and me. Tears smarted behind Bryn's eyes. Happy ones. She could live with never seeing Clay again, but she'd miss those children with all of her heart. A visit would be wonderful, she said. The kids cheered so enthusiastically that Clay had to quiet them down with a few mock stern words. Are you sure about this, Bryn? We're kind of putting you on the spot here. You're not putting me on the spot, Clay, Bryn replied, perhaps too quickly, too eagerly. I would love to have Davy and Maddie visit. I have plenty of room and there are lots of things to do out here in the Wild West. 
Uh, she built them two rooms like a psycho. That's not, <laughs> that's not in the text. Can we ride horses? DV asked, eyes wide, and go fishing? Absolutely, Bryn said, blinking rapidly to hold back tears that would only confuse the children. Thanks, Bryn, Clay put in, his voice hoarse again. We'll be in touch about the arrangements closer to spring break. In the meantime, have yourself a very happy new year. You too, Bryn said. And then he was gone. Bryn waited to feel that tearing away sensation common to breakups, even after some time had passed, but it didn't come. All she felt was exuberant anticipation. Davy and Maddie were coming to visit at long last. She could barely wait. The call went on for about 25 more minutes, 20 more minutes, while the kids told Bryn about their school, their friends, the things they'd given and received for Christmas. Once again, they'd thank, thanked Bryn for the books and she'd sent as gifts. When it was over, when goodbyes had been said and the laptop screen showed the Boston skyline again, Bryn, Bryn reached for her teacup, took a sip, and realized the stuff had gone stone cold. She smiled. Carried the cup to the sink, emptied it, and placed it on the top rack of the dishwasher. Since she took most of her meals downstairs, it often took days to fill the machine. It was still early, and the preparations for tonight's big celebration were complete for the time being. Around six, when the doors opened for business and the first crop of celebrants showed up, she would be there to greet them, the consummate hostess. She had a special outfit for the occasion. What do you think she's going to wear? It's going to be fringe. <laughs> Just a fringe jacket. Just fringe. And leggings. An off-white, somewhat clingy dress covered in tiny faux pearls and crystals Ooh. designed to shimmer glamorous, glamorously in glamorously in changing light. Sound it up. I know. Sound it up. She planned to pin her chin-length hair up, leaving a few wisps and tendrils to dangle in strategic places, and she would wear her best earrings, diamond and pearl studs her folks had given her for her college graduation. She would spritz on some perfume, perfume and even put on makeup, mascara, eyeshadow, a very light dusting of blusher. As for shoes, well, she'd chosen a pair of sexy heels, a close match to her dress. It was more effort than she would usually have made, even for New Year's Eve, but she was a businesswoman, she told herself. She had to maintain a certain image, even in remote painted Pony Creek. She was dressing up for the community in general, not Sheriff Eli Garrett. Okay, not just for him. Eli might not even show up given that this is one of those things where she like wears this dress and he shows up in like sweatpants. Uh-huh. And she's wearing white, like a wedding. She's like, hello, <laughs> this is your future bride. And he's like, Hey, he's like, and his sweatpants aren't even gray. They're no. like maroon. They're, oh There's God. No dick with, with the, uh, ankle elastic uh, at the ankles. Oh, the elastic. And then like the holes on the side, like where maybe he's like exercised in them when he was bigger, but uh, now he's lost weight. Eli um, might not even show up, given that there would be plenty of drunk drivers on the road on this, on this night of nights. Bailey's would be packed, but places like Sully's Bar and Grill would do plenty of business, too. And that meant both the small local police department and the sheriff's people would be on high alert. Since the big snowstorm, there had been a significant thaw, but according to the weather forecast, the temperature would drop below freezing as the evening went on and stay there. That, of course, meant the roads would be icy and thus dangerous, even for sober people. They talk about drunk drivers so frequently in this book. It's because they don't want us driving after we've been drinking, and I appreciate that. Oh, thanks, Linda. <laughs> just kidding. Like Bryn's... I think just kidding, but I'm like, 100%, there's a message here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Absolutely. The, the no goods and the drunk drivers. The no goods and the drunk drivers. Like Bryn's crew of volunteer drivers, for instance. She closed her eyes and offered a brief, silent prayer for the safety of everyone concerned. Oh. Also, Montana has drive-through bars. 
So this could be a specific Montana message. Also. Like a drive-through liquor store, or uh-huh. oh yeah, and like I think you can get like drinks too. You can like drive through and get Fabulous. a beverage, and then you just the driver can't drink the beverage, but everybody else can. When I was in uh, college, we went to spring break in Panama City Beach, Florida, mm-hmm. and we weren't twenty-one yet. And uh, this group of guys that we had met was going to the drive-through liquor store, and they were like, "Dude, do you want to like?" you have to buy your own alcohol, but like, do you want to come? Like you have to pay for it, but we'll buy it for you essentially. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, oh, just hop in our van, which we did. And this is one of the stories that it's a surprise. I'm still so alive. Glad you're still alive. But the van had no windows and it was just spray painted on the outside. Shagging wagon. Oh my God. <laughs> and had a row, a row of condoms just hanging from the rear view mirror. Definitely safe. And At we least like, they're a safe van. That's true. It was a shagging wagon with protection. But we were like, yeah, absolutely. This seems super safe. And it was, because here we are. <laughs> no babies, that's no STDs. Not, that's not good advice. Don't listen to my advice. And liquor from a drive-thru, which is always, you know, lovely. <laughs> uh, Bryn went to the refrigerator, took out a cucumber, whacked off two slices with a chef's... Whacked off. <laughs> whacked off. I know where your brain's at. <laughs> and so she went to the refrigerator, took out a cucumber, and whacked off. <laughs> You never know. I mean, whacked off two slices with a chef's knife and returned what was left of the vegetable crisper. She'd cried a little during the video call with Davy and Maddie, though she was fairly sure they hadn't noticed, and she hadn't slept well the last few nights, worrying about the New Year's Eve bash, thinking about Eli, going back and forth. Should she get involved or shouldn't she? She'd kick off her shoes and lie down for a while, cover her eyes with the cucumber slices, and hopefully emerge from her rest restored. The moment she'd stretched out on her bed, Waldo leaped up to join her, landing in the middle of her stomach like a medicine ball. Bryn gasped aloud, then laughed. The cat curled up beside her, purring contentedly. And Bryn, who hadn't slept properly in several days, dropped into a deep and dreamless slumber, cosseted by the sweet darkness of oblivion. Waldo awakened her some two hours later. He was sitting next to her head, nibbling away at one of the cucumber slices. Oh, dude, cats are fucking monsters they'll eat you, if you yes 100 yeah. what if she just woke up to him like eating her eyeball out <clears throat> yeah that sounds like brissy mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh b Bryn, <laughs> just thinking about how brissy would yell brown, brown. and then how we were saying it was never mind <laughs> brown Bryn bolted upright sure she'd overslept maybe even missed the party Clarity soon returned, however. There was a light at the bedroom window, though it was growing dimmer by the minute. A glance at her bedside clock reassured her further. 5.30. She still had an hour and a half to shower, get dressed, and do her hair and makeup. Nothing to worry about. Except that her phone, resting on her bedside table, made a dinging sound. A text had come in. Eli? Suddenly, Bryn's heart was racing again. She picked up the phone, opened the text feature, and squinted at the message. And it's just a DoorDash notification. <laughs> yeah, it's just DoorDash sexting her. 25%. If you spend $100 on Taco Bell today, you might win $1,000 in a sweepstakes to spend more money yeah. at Taco Bell. Um, you're still beautiful, it read. Clay. A lump formed Ugh. in Bryn's throat. She considered replying that she wouldn't be accepting any more texts unless they concerned Davy and Maddie, then decided to simply ignore the message entirely. She sat up, legs dangling over the side of the bed, and sighed. No getting around it, she was disappointed. She'd hoped Eli had been the one to contact her. A certain peevish irritation troubled Bryn for the next few moments. Was that it? One measly, okay, transcendent snowmobile, snowmobile ride? No calls, no texts? 
What did you expect? She asked herself, annoyed. He asked you out or tried to, and you said, no, I don't date cops. Well, guess what, Bryn Bailey? You're a fool and a coward. Enough, she said aloud to herself. It was New Year's Eve, and the restaurant was about to fill up with hungry, thirsty people in the mood to celebrate. She could spare neither the time nor the energy to sit around castigating herself. She couldn't help her feelings, but she didn't have to chase them down the nearest rabbit hole and through the inevitable maze of things she should or shouldn't have said. It was almost New Year's after all, a time for new beginnings and second chances. Who knew what might happen? Bailey's was pulsing with laughter, music, and people when Eli dropped by around 7 p.m. on his dinner break. He wasn't dressed up since he was technically on duty, but he was wearing his newest uniform, having picked it up at the dry cleaners earlier this day. The day. Um, how does this town have a dry cleaner and nowhere in the fucking gorge has one? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this is untrue. I'm laughing about that because, yeah, that is actual. <laughs> I mean, I have question. like one thing that needs dry clean, but it needs, it's that coat that I let Claire borrow that clearly had a Jaeger stain on it. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, he, blah, blah, blah. So far, it had been a quiet night. So Festus was riding shotgun. With a pang of guilt, Eli had left the mutt in the SUV with a couple of windows rolled partway down so he'd have plenty of air. As an ordinary dog, a civilian, so to speak, he wasn't legally allowed to en enter any public establishments, particularly restaurants. Festus had whimpered a little when Eli left him. He'd had to park several blocks from Bailey's since every space was full. Once Eli had promised him that amount, what amounted to a doggy bag, the critter sighed and curled up in the passenger seat as if to snooze. Now, a minute or two later... Eli was about to step inside the restaurant. He'd make sure everybody was behaving themselves. Most of the rowdy action was likely to bust over at Salt, to bust out over at Sully's rather than here. But municipal police, like the sheriff's department, were chronically understaffed, so it couldn't hurt to keep an eye on things. The glass in the restaurant's front door was fogged over, and the people inside looked like colorful smears, except for one that is the wedding dress. <laughs> Bryn was standing near the counter. <laughs> chatting with several of her customers as they perused the extensive offerings at the long line of buffet tables. Again, how large is this place? Everyone in town plus huge three, like three huge buffet tables. I picture that painting that my friend Danny loves and it's of the, the reason why I'm referencing it. Is I remember the last supper? About, no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably likes that one too, but like not at the level that he loves this one. It's the picture of, it's of the diner. And it's like rainy and dark, or I think it's like dark at night. And it's the lit up from the inside. Oh yeah. They're just sitting outside. They're sitting. Right. But that, but it's like a long diner stretch. Like that's kind of what I picture. Okay. And I mean, her apartment is gigantic and it's upstairs. Yeah. And it's okay. just like a really long kind of narrow, like diner. I feel like setting. it's, yeah. All right. It's a place. I, it's, I'm picturing like the diner from um, Seinfeld. No, you're so obsessed with Seinfeld. Is it the dick stuff? Yeah. Um, no, from Pul uh, Pulp Fiction. Never saw it. Oh, Lord. All right. That's next up on the list. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bryn was standing, blah, blah, blah. Eli's breath caught the way it did sometimes when he rode out alone, just him and the horse, and stopped to admire a sweeping view of timber and plains, a herd of deer or elk, a sunrise or sunset. She was wearing an ivory-colored dress, shimmering with shining beads of some kind, and her platinum blonde hair was done up in a loose bun with some slippage going on around her cheeks and the nape of her neck. Her smile was so radiant that it nearly threw Eli back on the heels of his boots. Come in or go out, Sheriff, one of the older men called jovially. You'll freeze us all to death, standing there with the door open. 
The remark drew Bryn's attention and Eli, a grown man, the very competent sheriff of an entire county, damn it, instantly regressed to age 14. Testosterone, never in short supply, surged through him and he wouldn't have been surprised by an instantaneous outbreak of acne. Okay, also, I just have to say, Linda, Linda. should not make a Hallmark movie of this because they will never be able to recreate that beautiful scene you just verbally or, yeah. you know, verbally. I can't yeah, because, I because actors out. can't recreate that. You cannot recreate that? No. That's such a beautiful, like, a moment. This is truly, outside of Harlequin romance novels, this is an example of why I can't read a book and then watch a movie. Yeah, 100%. Because I have painted... Like this beautiful the entire picture. story in my head. Yes, and it's so good. And no actor, like B level, all the way to the best actors in the world, yeah. can ever recreate no. what's in my brain. No, 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 no. So nice job, Linda. That made my heart happy. He stepped inside, closed the door behind him, looked around, wondered how many of these small town and country folk had noticed that he'd been staring at Bryn like a damn fool, which he probably was. Bryn had made it pretty clear after all that she didn't date cops. Maybe she was just messing with him, paying him back for dropping her back in those thrilling days of yesteryear. Suddenly, he was filled with misgivings. Still, he was about to approach her, more like he was drawn to her as though magnetized, when his nephew interrupted. Eric. <laughs> I thought he was talking to him, so I just said that super profound. <laughs> Eric. And it's just the first word of the sentence. <laughs> Eric looked very young and more than a little worried. Eli, can I talk to you for a second? Eli was concerned, but he was also relieved. A distraction would give him time to get his act together before he encountered Bryn directly. Sure, he said, what's up? Eric glanced around, clearly reluctant to talk in the midst of a crowd. Whatever was bothering him, it was important, Drugs. at least to the boy. Drugs. Mind, if we go, mind if we go outside? Eli slapped his nephew lightly on the shoulder. It's cold out there, he said with a grin he hoped was reassuring. But okay, let's go. Eric nodded. I'll get my coat, he said. Carly's got it over at the band table. Make it snappy, Eli urged, watching Bryn now, and she was watching him, looking a bit worried. Eli moved his shoulders in a semblance of a shrug and gave Bryn what his niece and nephew called an IDK look. Sarah had explained to him that IDK was text speak for I don't know. Kids, they were changing the freaking language with their acronyms and invented words. Pretty soon, plain old everyday English would be reduced to things like WTF. Eli rather liked that one, actually, or for... 4EVR and of course the ever popular OMG. Bryn smiled and it was a soft, barely perceptible smile that somehow seemed scandalously private, even in that packed, noisy restaurant. Eli's blood threatened to catch fire. Shit, he thought. Maybe it was a good thing he was going to be standing in the cold for a few minutes. Next best thing to an icy shower. Oh, he has a boner ah, in his tight uniform pants. Finally, boner in the new dry cleans. <laughs> You're going to get those dry cleaned again. Uh-huh. Eric returned, shoving his arms into the sleeves of his ski coat, clutching his phone in one hand. He scanned the room nervously, and then Eli opened the door for him, and they went outside. The wind bit into Eli's neck, and he raised his jacket collar against it. Folks passed them by, coming and going. Eric, still jumpy, indicated the corner of the building where there was no foot traffic. Eli was pretty worried himself by then. Eric, he said, talk to me. Eric thrust the phone at him. I got this text about half an hour ago, the boy said. His eyes were huge in his pale face. Eli took the phone and, <clears throat> excuse me, and glanced at the screen. I'm back, and you're going to pay for how things went down last summer, you little crap stain. Go crying to your uncle, and you don't even want to know what I'll do to you or that pretty little sister of yours. Eli looked up from the screen. Two minutes before, he'd had Bran on his mind and not much else. Now he was in uncle mode, big time. Freddie Lansing, he asked. 
<laughs> Freddie's back. Freddie. Eric, nice. <laughs> what did you say? Did you say that Freddie was dealing Molly last week? Uh-huh. All right. His name's Ice. Oh, all right. Ice is Ice is back. Ice is back. Yeah, you don't even want to know what I'm gonna do. He's like the wicked witch. Uh-huh. That pretty little dog. Um, Eric swallowed visibly and nodded. I can't prove it's him, he mumbled miserably, but who else could it be? I'm not the most popular kid in school, but I don't have any enemies, at least none that I know of. Eli figured the boy was right, and he was obviously scared shitless. The Lansing kid was a bully, a thief and a real contender for a long stretch in prison if he didn't either get himself killed or have himself a genuine come-to-Jesus moment. The previous summer, when Eric had gotten him himself into trouble with the law, and make no mistake, he was responsible for his own actions and choices, no matter how young he was. He'd gotten most of his ideas from Freddie. Freddie had gone away to stay with relatives on the other side of the state after he and Eric and the others were arrested. Clearly, he was back in town and the knowledge had gotten past Eli somehow. I'll talk to him, Eli said, tonight. Eric looked almost frantic. Don't, he pleaded. You you saw what he said about bringing this to you. For the second time that night, Eli rested a hand on Eric's shoulder. The kid was trembling. Listen to me, Eric. You did the right thing telling me. You know I'll do whatever I can to keep you and Haley safe. I shouldn't have said anything, Eric fretted. Where's Haley tonight, Eli asked. He thought he recalled Sarah saying something about a sleepover, but there hadn't been any specific information. She's at Melba's house, Eric answered. Haley's tight with her daughter, Jill. There's a slumber party or something. Melba Summers was working tonight on the lookout for drunk drivers. Back to the drunk drivers. On the lookout for drunk drivers and highway accidents. The state patrol, efficient as they were, always needed extra help on booze-saturated holidays like New Year's Eve. The kids are there alone, he asked. At Melba's place, I mean. No, Eric replied, his gaze jittering from here to there as though he expected ice. Should I just call him ice from now on? Ice. Freddy. Freddy ice. <laughs> to jump out at him from behind a bush or a parked car. Mom said Melba's ex is spending the night. Eli sighed, relieved. Melba's ex, Daniel, was a former Navy SEAL. He'd done a hitch with the FBI, too, and now he was doing private security for some billionaire headquartered in Belize. If Dan Summers was in the house, those kids were as safe as they could be. That's good, he said. So much for hanging around Bryn's place for the rest of his dinner break. He'd swing by Melba's, say hello to Dan, fill him in on the situation, if indeed there was a situation. Then he'd head out to the Lansing place on the far side of town for a word with Freddie's parents and, if possible, with Freddie himself. Beyond that, there wasn't much he could do legally. The text definitely constituted a threat, but there was no proof Freddie had sent it. He wasn't the brightest bulb in the marquee, but he was probably smart enough to use a burner phone, if only to keep his present location on the down low. Furthermore, unless Freddie actually made a move to harm either Eric or Haley, he couldn't be arrested. The kid came from a family of assholes, but they were assholes with connections, and Freddie's uncle was a retired lawyer lawyer of the scumball variety. Scumball. I love that. <laughs> okay, just a couple more pages. Given that Eli had been the one to arrest Freddie as well as Eric and the others, he'd have to handle this new development very carefully. The Lansings had cried foul when Eric and the other idiots who danced to Freddie's tune were let off with probation, fines, and community service. The difference was Freddie had an impressive rap sheet for a teenager, and that summer's crime spree didn't qualify as his first rodeo. In fact, if he hadn't been six months shy of his 18th birthday, he probably would have ended up doing hard time. He'll know I told you about the text, Eric reiterated. Yeah, even Freddie is probably smart enough to make that particular leap. Eli squeezed the boy's shoulders once more, then dropped his hands to his sides. I'll handle this. You go back inside and enjoy the evening and stay inside where there are plenty of people around. Have your mother call or text me when she's ready to head on home and I'll provide a police escort. 
Eric didn't speak. Got that? Eli prompted. Sure, Eric said. Do I have to tell her about the text from Freddie? Yes, actually, Eli answered, but let's save that for later when the both of you are back home. Eric's expression was glum. Okay, he said, drawing the word out to twice its normal length. She's going to freak. She'll probably send me away to boarding school or something or ground me again. Carly will probably start dating some other guy and I'll be shit out of luck. Eli chuckled at that. Don't borrow trouble, kid, he counseled. You'll run into plenty without even trying. Don't borrow trouble is what his... Sheriff used to say to him. It's like in the first chapter. I do like this. <clears throat> As they re-entered the restaurant, the band was tuning up and Carly was on stage, microphone in hand. Her proud parents, Cord and Shally, sat Shally? at a nearby table, flan Damn it, Shally. flanked by friends, all of them beaming up at her in happy expectation. Eric gave his uncle one last rueful glance and went to join them. He and Carly had gotten off to a rocky start since Carly apparently didn't go for guys with criminal tendencies. But once Eric had straightened out, they gradually started spending more and more time together. At last, Eli got a chance to speak to Bryn. I'm just here as a friend, he joked, raising both hands, palms out. Bryn smiled. That's too bad, she said. Eli was once again thoroughly taken aback. He couldn't think of a damn thing to say. Nothing sensible, anyhow. Looks like you're on duty, all right, she observed, taking in his uniform, staring at his dick. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, he agreed, loosening up a little now. <laughs> Took time to polish my badge for the occasion, though. Oh, that's a jerking off reference. Yeah. Polish my badge right before I got here, babe. That smile, dear God, it should have been registered somewhere, if not as a lethal weapon, then at least as an unfair advantage. I'm impressed, Bryn said, and that rattled Eli even more than the smile had because he didn't know if she was serious or pulling his leg. Surely you can stay long enough to eat something and hear Carly sing? She's really very good, as you probably know. Eli flung a glance toward the daughter that might have been his, but wasn't. She's amazing, he said. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. They need to stop referring to her that way. That. But it's not his, just in case you're worried. <laughs> Which was... Uh, I kind of think we should do an ancestry for Eli for Christmas this year, just to see for sure. <laughs> like, I mean, I we trust I know, she's the results, she's but I think she's cords. Yeah, but Ancestry.com will. All right. For sure. Or should, not, maybe not Ancestry. We should do 23andMe. 23andMe. We just need to find out. For a fake Harlequin novel character. Because we just need to know for sure. <laughs> just in case. Because you can still get, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of science behind this. Okay. Yeah. Eli uh, returned his full attention back to Bryn, which was a semi-reckless thing to do, given how good she looked. No time, I'm afraid. I've got to check something out. Something to do with Eric, Bryn asked, raising one perfect eyebrow. Her lips glistened with a transparent pink gloss of some kind, and she smelled like wildflowers. Sort of, he replied, which means you can't talk about it, she guessed, smiling again. It's no big deal, he told her, hoping that was true. Don't go ruining your evening by worrying about it. Can you come back at midnight, Bryn asked. The sudden change in subject matter surprised Eli. I will if I can, he said. He didn't make promises he wasn't sure he could keep, even small ones. Right now, I'd better get going. I left Festus in the SUV and he'll be getting impatient, not to mention cold. Without a word, Bryn picked up a paper plate and began adding small bits of dog-friendly food to it. A tiny square of cheddar cheese, a few cocktail wieners, random party nibbles. These are for Festus, she announced, covering the plate with a paper napkin. Feel free to help yourself if you're hungry. I suppose you're probably used to eating in your car. Eli thanked her, reached for his wallet. Put your money away, Sheriff, Bryn ordered. Tonight, supper's on the house. He took the offered plate, Festus would be overjoyed, and snagged half a roast beef sandwich for the road. Don't forget, Bryn reminded him, midnight.
Brynn is slowly becoming my favorite character of all time because she made a plate of food for Festivus <laughs> and not for Eli. And I'm like, yes, Festivus. girls. <laughs> Love it. Sorry. This podcast is in no way endorsed by number one New York Times bestselling author Linda Lale Miller or the book or her book Country Proud or Harlequin romance books, novels, all of the things. Nobody's endorsing us for the record. We are just deep fangirls and have a deep love for romance and rom-coms.